Lord, Lord of the heaven, before there was time, and Lord of all, Lord, you will be. We bow down and we worship you, Lord. We bow down and we worship you, Lord. We bow down and we worship you, Lord. Lord of all, Lord, you will be. You are King of creation and King of my life, King of the land and the sea. You are King of the heaven before there was time, and King of all kings you will be. We bow down and we crown you the King. We bow down and we crown you the King. We bow down and we crown you the King. King of all kings you will be. Our hymn books, 541, Why Do I Sing About Jesus? That's answered in the chorus. Because he's precious to me, he is Lord and my Savior. And dying, dying, he set us free. Deep in my heart there's a gladness. Jesus has saved me from sin. Praise to his name, what a savior, cleansing without and within. Why do I sing about Jesus? Why is he precious to me? He is my Lord and my this course now how majestic
So is Jesus. Who can cheer the heart like Jesus in the presence of divine? True and tender, pure and precious. Oh, how blessed all in my. Let's all stand, please. Prepare for this morning's offering. Sing this chorus. I exalt. For thou art Lord, art high above all earth. Thou 
We thank you that we have the opportunity to give back unto you that which you've blessed us so abundantly with. Our Father, receive unto yourselves these tithes and offerings. Bless them. Use them to further your kingdom. Bless those that have given in a mighty way, Father. We thank you for it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My parents were both Christians, and I went to a church regularly, but that didn't make me a believer. There was also a time I was baptized thinking I had become a believer, but that didn't make me one. I thought I was a Christian, however, and I married a believer. My husband and I, after that, about five years of marriage, decided that he was going to be called a pastor, become a pastor. We had three children, and I went on as a pastor. After about 20 years of marriage, I had two major surgeries and went into a depression. It was not really a mental depression, I decided, but it was a spiritual depression. I started reading a book called Search for Significance, which asked the question, are you 100% sure that if you died tonight that you would go to heaven? That's the next chapter. It was the second chapter of that book, and I could not get past that question. I thought, I'm 98% sure you're right. I'm, I'm 98% sure that you did. The Lord dealt with me for a few days until finally I got down on my knees at my bedside and I asked the Lord to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. And the Lord confirmed that by giving me two signs. One <clears throat> was he never gave up on me, and I thank Evie sings that one. And then there's a new name written down in blue, and it's mine. Sinner, a king, pardoned to receive from my Lord. 
Okay, kiddos, I think they're gathering back there. Praise the Lord, brother. Thank you. Kiddos gathering back there for Children's Church. We praise God for those that work with them. If you would have a desire to do that, and God laid you to do that, uh, you see Miss Tammy, she would certainly uh, welcome you to help a little bit with that. Last Sunday, I uh, had some folks say, boy, that was a message that start us, should start us into revival. Now, here comes Terry and Miss Jackie coming in this morning and singing a song that says, man, my name is in glory, a brand new name. So I would pray today, today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that you'll join what Saul did when he acknowledged Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That your name will be a new name written in glory. And folks, the thing, good thing about that, once it's written there, it's not going to be erased. It's forever. We've been talking about Saul. Saul of Tarsus, the one that was the religious terrorist that became a holy evangelist. 
And the only thing that made a difference in him was God. Just that simple. He still had the enthusiasm. He was still very committed to what he, he thought he should be doing. The only thing was that he reversed his thinking because of what God did. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I have to say I have never had an experience that Paul, like Paul, had on the road to Damascus. I have never had an experience like that as far as being overcome with a bright light by God and hearing the voice of God speak unto me. I've never had that. But I can say at age seven years old, I had a quiet, still voice that spoke unto my heart that was just as loud, just as bright as the experience Paul had or Saul had. And I said, okay, God, I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I acknowledge I'm lost. And I ask you into my heart as Lord and Savior. You see, that's what happened with, with Saul. And the Word of God tells us, and I want to read you a little bit out of Galatians again, and then we'll go back over into Acts. But in Galatians, in chapter 1, it says, in verse 1, chapter 13, or verse 13, For you have heard from my formal conduct in Jerusalem, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure, tried to destroy it, and I advanced in Judaism beyond any of my contemporaries of my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the tradition of my fathers. But when it pleased God. Now, folks, if you don't hear anything else that I'm reading here in Galatians, listen to this. For when it pleased God, when God was ready. I, I, let me just throw it. Step out over here. We just stepped out of a sermon for a minute. You don't choose the time that you want to get saved. You know, you can't reach in your pocket or take your telephone out and look at your calendar and say, okay, on such and such day, such and such time, I'm going to get saved. The Word of God said even about Saul, when God so pleased, when God chose the time, when the Holy Spirit spoke to his heart, when God speaks to our heart, it's the same thing in God, please, <coughs> pardon me, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son to me. What did he call him to do? I want you to know about Jesus, Saul. You're out here trying to do away with the Christians. You're out here trying to put down Jesus Christ. You're out here trying to stay in the old Judaism and the old way. I want you, Saul, to know Jesus. Folks, it's time for us, folks that are sitting in the pews, for us to go beyond coming, singing a song, praying a prayer, dropping our offering in an offering plate, and saying, I have done it. It's time for us to truly come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and Director of my life. You didn't pick Jesus. He picked you. Now listen, it says, 
to reveal his son to me that I might preach him amongst the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with the flesh and blood, nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were the apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned to Damascus. Paul simply says, Saul simply says, listen, I need to get away with God. Now, folks, there's nothing wrong. In fact, I encourage it. Bible study. I encourage you to get with folks and confer back and forth about what God is doing and has done in your life. But there's nothing like going in your prayer closet, shutting the door, and just you and God have a one-on-one. There's nothing like it. You can read sermons, messages, Bible studies, but there's nothing like saying, okay, God, here I am, here you are. Let's get together. Let's get together. Folks, when you do that, you're saying, Lord God, I'm laying my desires down. I'm laying my will down. I'm laying all of my own expectations down. And I'm saying, Lord God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, take over my life. Take over my life. This is what Saul did. Saul said, take over my life. Remove me from where I was. I'm laying it down. Take over my life and make me what you want me to be. And that's what every prayer of every born-again believer should be. God, remove me from where I've been and place me where you want me to go. And what you want me to do. And the word says, back over in Acts now, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, it says right after he got back from Arabia, he preached the word. He preached it there in Damascus to the point that the Jews wanted to kill him. They let him down over the wall, and then in verse 26, The word says, and when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly in Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them in Jerusalem, coming in and going out. Let's stop right there for just a moment. Now, can you imagine? Let your imagination run with me just a minute. The experience that Saul has had with God. The time that he spent with God 
in Arabia. The fact that he came back to Damascus and preached so powerfully that the Jews wanted to kill him. And they, the, the Christians had to protect him and let him slip him out of town. Can you imagine having that experience and then going to Jerusalem to where all of the men of God were? All the apostles were. And go there and they say, stay away from us. We don't want anything to do with you. He's had an experience with God. He's seen people come to know Jesus. He's preached the word and the apostles didn't want to do it. In fact, the word says they were afraid of him. Our past follows us where we go. The only thing, now listen closely, folks. The only thing that can overshadow your past is your present with Jesus Christ. The only thing that can overshadow your past is the present of Jesus Christ in your life right now. And it says, and Barnabas, who was aware of his preaching in Damascus, you see, all of us need a Barnabas. We all need that one that comes alongside, puts their arm around us, encourages us, and says, I understand where you've been, I understand where you are, and I'm going to support you. There are those in this church that walk up to me and put their arms around my shoulder or shake my hand or so forth. And just say, I'm praying for you, Brother Matt. You're special to us. Thank you for preaching. Nothing fabulous, nothing overwhelming, except to me. Brother George McBride walked out the door here a few weeks ago and said, Boy, that was preaching. That, that's the word. Miss Cherry will tell you, I went home and I said, Wow, praise God. Folks, there's nothing like that one that comes alongside, puts their arm around you as a brother in Christ, as Barnabas did, and said, come on, Saul. I know they're bound to hurt his feelings, bound to have just deflated him. And Barnabas says, come on. Come on. Let me help. Let me be the go-between. Let me be the cushion between you and those that are questioning you. And the word tells us very plainly here that Barnabas went and got Saul. And Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostle. He, said, he didn't say, okay, now you go ahead and go, Saul. It's okay. He says he got him. Got him, but there are, I can... I can imagine Saul saying, now wait a minute, they don't like me. I don't think I want to go back there. Barnabas says, come on. Got him by the arm, says, you come on, I'll be the, I'll be the cushion, I'll be the go-between. And he took him to them, and I want you to notice what Barnabas said. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly in Damascus. He didn't say, Look how great Saul is. 
He says, let me tell you what God's done in his life. Now listen, folks, that's what makes the difference is what God does in your life. You know, I'm still Mac Mills that I was when I was this tall. A little broader, a little older, but I'm still Mac Mills. But let me tell you, what God's done in my life is what's made the difference. Barnabas says, let me tell you, this is Saul. Yeah, he, you know where he's been. You know, let me tell you what God has done in his life. Can you today, are there those that can stand up and say, let me tell you what God's done in that one's life, what God's done in that one's life, what God's done in their life. Barnabas says, listen, he had an encounter. He had a personal encounter with God on the road to Damascus. Well, like I said, I've never been on the road to Damascus, but I guarantee you I had a personal encounter with God. And if you're a true born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you've had a personal encounter with God. You heard him when the voice of the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Say you need to be saved. You need to change your way of doing things. Barnabas says, let me tell you, this is what God has done. And because of what God has done, Saul has preached the word boldly. I've had folks say to me, even in this church, say to me, Brother Mac, you don't ever do anything except use the Bible. Let me tell you, if I didn't have this, I wouldn't have a word to say that would be worth listening to. This is the only thing that's worth listening to is the word of God, and that's what he said. He preached the word boldly, powerfully, to the point where they wanted to kill him again. And Barnabas says, listen, you know me, you know where I'm coming from, you know I'm a man of God, so listen, this man, he heard from God, he responded to God, and because of that, he preached boldly in Damascus in the name of of Jesus. Not as a Judaizer, but in the name of Jesus. There's not any name above the name of Jesus. There's not any name that we can declare that'll change your life like the name of Jesus. Part of us said, listen. He preached in the name of Jesus. But when he was listening at Jerusalem, coming in and going out, other words, after Barnabas stood up for him, introduced him, was the go-between, the apostles, opened their arms, invited him in, and he went with them every place they went. He preached with them. He ate with them. I'm sure he prayed with them. Every
everything he did with them. And it says, And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, disputing against the Hellenists, but they attempted again to kill him. You remember? Whatever God spoke to him on the road to Damascus. And what he told Ananias, he says, I've got to tell him the things he's got to put up with, what he's going to suffer. Folks, God, he doesn't want us to have any surprises. And if we'll sell out to God 100% and listen to what he says and what he says in his word, you're not going to have any surprises in your life because God's in charge of it. And here we find it says, and he went as he went into Jerusalem, coming in and going out, and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, disputed against the Hellenists, against those in Judea, and he said, and they attempted to kill him. And when the brethren found out, whenever the apostles and those about found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. And then, listen, then the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, Samaria, had peace and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord in the comfort of the Holy Spirit and were bold. Folks, when we're obedient to God, when we're truly obedient to God, God can work. Well, they took old Saul down to Caesarea by the sea. You ever been there, Thomas? Been there, hadn't you, bud? Went down to Caesarea by the sea. Put him on a ship out to Tarsus. A lot of things that we don't know about in that time between there and when Paul showed back up in Antioch, the church in Antioch. But in that period, according to the best I can find out in biblical history, he was in he was in Tarsus for somewhere between eight and twelve years. Now I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he didn't just sit and twiddle his thumbs. He bound to been preaching the word, sharing about Jesus. We don't know that. It doesn't say that as such. But he was there between eight and twelve years. It's a kind of a silent area in Saul's life. But the next thing we see, he is in Antioch preaching the word powerfully and planning his first missionary journey. Folks, there's nothing wrong for us to get alone with God. But don't forget God still has something for you to do. I truly believe while it's while Saul was there in Tarsus that he preached, he shared, but more than anything else, I truly believe that he spent time with God preparing for what God had for him the rest of his life. 
For we find whenever he went back to Antioch, and we'll see this in the coming Sundays, when he got back to Antioch, he started. He started his missionary journeys. And he went through all of his missionary journeys and wound up in Rome. And we're more in Rome. We're going to follow the life to the best of God's ability through me. Saul's life. Better known as Paul. After he left Tarsus, got to Antioch, and God had laid out his plan for him because of the obedience of the apostles and of Paul, we find that the churches that were in existence at this time, that they flourished in Judea and Galilee and Samaria and peace, and they call, and they walked in the fear of the Lord. They walked in the fear of the Lord. Not, I'm afraid to death that God's going to strike me dead. But in the fear of the reverence of the Lord God, they humbled themselves. Folks, we as born-again believers need to learn how to humble our hearts before God. You're not going to like what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. One of the biggest problems with us, us, is we're scared what somebody's going to think about us. We're scared to death about what somebody out there is going to think about us. You say, how do you know that, Brother Mac? Because if we weren't, we would humble our hearts, bend our knees, and this prayer altar would be running over with people praying, asking God to forgive us, asking God to work through us, asking God to do his power in this church so it would reach around the globe outside these walls to where people would come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And as they said, throughout all the region, the churches were flourishing. They were growing. People were coming to know Jesus. Why? Because folks got right with God. You say, well, that's Brother Terry and Brother Bill and Brother Jack. That's their job. They, they go up and pray. <clears throat> Folks, I'm sorry. That's not their job. That's not their job. It's all of our jobs to humble ourselves. And the churches throughout the nation, uh, and Judah, Galilee, Samaria had peace and were edified and were walking in the fear of God, reverencing who God was. And through that, they were walking in the comfort, the peace of God by their side. Folks, if we're truly going to experience revival in Montney Baptist Church. We're going to have to get where we can humble our hearts before God. We're going to have to get where we fear God and we're not just going through the motion. 
We've got to get to the point where we can say, okay, Holy Spirit, <laughs> I'm not sure what you want me to do, but I'm willing to do it. God, you speak to my heart. I had a young person not too many months ago come to me, one of our students, asked me a question. How did you know you were supposed to preach? You know what I answered? I didn't know I did. I just knew that I couldn't live without it. Folks, when God calls you, not just to be a preacher, when God calls you to minister in his name, take my word for it, Take the word of God for it. You'll never, ever experience the true peace of God until you do like Saul did and say, okay, God, here I am, use me. Can you say that this morning? No, let me go a step further. Will you say that this morning? Lord God, start with me. I want our church, not a building, our church, to walk in the fear of God and in the peace, leadership of God the Holy Spirit. And the only way that could happen us to humble ourselves before God. This morning, if you don't know Jesus, I would pray you would come to know him as Lord and Savior. You don't have to have a, an experience like on the road to Damascus. All you have to do is just answer the call in your heart through the Holy Spirit. And say, oh God, I want to be saved. Maybe you just need to You've been a born-again believer a long time, and this morning you need to humble your heart. You need to put aside what you think somebody might think about you and just get on your face before God and say, Oh, Lord God, make a difference in my life. I want to make a difference in somebody else's life. So start with me. Maybe today you need to join this church. You need to be a part of the local body. You see, I don't know your hearts and I don't know your minds, but God does. And God says, come on in. Be a part of the local body. Be a part of that, that group that prays for one another and lifts one another up and encourages one another. Come on this morning. Come on. You see, you don't come to the preacher. I can't make any difference in your life whatsoever except I know you. But God can. God not only can, He will. If you'll just humble yourself and let Him do the work.
spouse can't do it. Your best friend can't do it. Yes, the gospel is for you. I challenge you. I challenge you. Just say yes to God and trust Him this morning. I guarantee you, you'll never regret the rest of your life. Father, I thank you and I praise your name that you allow us to be a part of your kingdom. You allow us to share in the life of those such as Saul, Barnabas, the other apostles. But Lord God, today I pray for a loosening of God the Holy Spirit like it's never ever been before. And Lord God, that your people will humble our hearts, will fear you and respect and reverence, will allow the peace of God the Holy Spirit to flow over to our lives. And Father, I would pray for any that are listening would not say no to you, but would say yes to the Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us, Brother Harold? Just as I am. Come on. Come to God right now. Come on. Don't wait. Don't tarry. Come on.
you are. God doesn't, God doesn't want you to change. He wants to change you. Well, come on. Come right now. Praise God for what God has said, done, and will continue to do right now in our lives, church. I want to remind the men of the meeting this afternoon at 4 o'clock. Also, we were to start our Wednesday night meals this week. We're going to put it off one week. We'll not start the Wednesday night meals this Wednesday night, but we'll start them the next Wednesday night. Okay, we're going to back them down one week. And any other announcements need to be made this, this morning? <laughs> ladies, sign up for Bible study. Also, the calendar and all up for the ladies' ministries on the table back there, all written out. Grab you one of those. <laughs> any other word anywhere? God is certainly, definitely good. I ask you, as church, to continue praying that God will not only enter us into a revival, but carry us through a revival right here in our own heart, right now. God will make a difference. God will make a difference. Brother Tim Dignan, would you play us first? 